Hey there. Read any good books lately? I have. Welcome to Clienting. Well, hi, everyone. It's it's Grant Sanders from the Sand Studio and the Clienting Podcast, the podcast for anyone who wants to work more effectively with creative people, understand the creative process, and make the work better. And today is kind of a book report kind of day here at the Clienting Podcast. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, a book by a guy named Rick Rubin called The Creative Act, A Way of Being. And I'm going to go through 10 different quotes from this book, 10 quotes that struck me. And, you know, I might actually do a second podcast on Rick Rubin's book and maybe a third if I find additional quotes that are worth discussing. Um, This book had an impact on me. At first, when I started to read it, I'm like, "Uh, I'm not sure I want to finish this book because it felt like a few other books on creativity that I had read in the past. Uh, But then it sort of veered into a, a different sphere for me. It became something really worth paying attention to. And I just have to offer a disclaimer before we get into the discussion of some of the quotes in this book. And that is this. This book is not about advertising, okay? It's not about commerce. As a matter of fact, he comes right out and he says that commerce is not art and art is not commerce. So, you know, the kind of work that we do for clients is commerce. But one of the things that Rick Rubin talks a great deal about in this book over and over and over again uh, is the creative practice. And if you want to, dear client, if you want to understand us creative people a little bit better, then you should understand the way our brains work and the way we go about creating the creative work that you can use to further your business or your company's business. So that's the intent of this particular episode. It's to see what we can get out of some of the the little the little pearls of wisdom that Rick Rubin is laying down. Now, if you're not familiar with Rick Rubin, he is a 61-year-old record producer. He uh, he founded or was a co-founder of Def Jam Recordings and American Recordings, and he was a president at Columbia Records. He's He was at the forefront of the hip-hop movement, which, you know, in its time, was probably one of the most creative genres going. Um, But he also has been involved with other bands like The Colton, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Rage Against the Machines, Weezer, uh, Aerosmith, Linkin Park, and, you know, he, he, Johnny Cash and and the Chicks, and, you know, he's he's been around. He has been a, a part of the creative scene for decades. He has been doing what he has been doing as long as I've been doing what I've been doing, which is decades, okay? And I think his track record is worth looking at, his list of successes and, you know, gold records and other pieces of art that he's been a part of are worth talking about. And it's also worth understanding where his head is at when it comes to the creative process, because that's really what he lays down in this book. So let's get into the 10 quotes, the first 10 quotes, let's just say, from 
Rick Rubin's The Creative Act. Okay. The first bit that I pulled out of this book was an interesting thing that I've heard other authors say before. Mostly Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote Eat, Pray, Love, and she also wrote Big Magic. And um, he says, if you have an idea that you're excited about and you don't bring it to life, it's not uncommon for that idea to find its voice through another maker. This isn't because somebody stole your idea. It's because the idea's time has come. Okay. Elizabeth Gilbert puts it a different way. She, she talks about ideas as having their own sort of agency and that that idea will find, will find another vessel to, to be brought into the world um, if you don't provide yourself as that vessel. Um, so th- this is an interesting idea, and it's an, it's an idea that we see all the time in the advertising world. If we have a great idea, you, you kind of need to bring it out into the world because if you don't, and it's truly a great idea, a game-changing idea, sooner or later your competition is going to hit on that idea and they're going to bring it out into the world. So it's always a good idea that if you, if you have a jump on the competition with an idea, even if it's an idea that makes you a little nervous, it might be worth bringing it out into the world just so that nobody else can benefit from it. Um, and I've, like I've said, I've seen this happen a dozen times in my career where we came out with an idea, shelved it, the client's competition brought that idea forward or vice versa. We didn't know that, a, that the competition had an idea until we tried to develop the idea and found out that they had done it first. You know, that's kind of the way creativity works. Some ideas are super original, one-of-a-kind ideas, and some ideas are the kind of ideas whose time has come. You just have to be aware of it and be ready for it. Okay, quote number two. And this is a, this is a quote about a good skill to develop for any marketer. Rick Rubin says, look for what you notice, but no one else sees, okay? And the reason I pulled this quote out of the book was because a winning strategy relies on a hard-won insight, and it's impossible to develop and uncover a hard-won insight if we are seeing the same things as everyone else. We have to look differently. We have to look harder. Uh, it's, It's kind of critically important that that we look for what we notice that no one else sees, as Rick Rubin says. Okay, number three. And this is a quote that creative people will get, but many on the business side will not get. It's about the role of play in the creative process. And it's absolutely true, but many people will just will just roll their eyes at this kind of thing. Um, the quote is this. It's helpful to see the piece we're working on as an experiment one in which we can't predict the outcome. Whatever the result, we will receive useful information that will benefit the next experiment. If you start from the position that there is no right or wrong, no good or bad, and creativity is just free play with no rules, it's easier to submerge yourself joyfully in the process of making things. We're not playing to win, we're playing to play. And ultimately, playing is fun. Perfectionism gets in the way of fun. A more skillful goal might be to find comfort in the process, to make and put out successive works with ease. And you'll find this, you'll find this kind of philosophy rings true in any creative endeavor. 
the creative people that are able to approach the process as play, the ideas just flow better. The creative people who are stuck looking for the right answer, quote unquote, the right answer, they're the ones that are going to have writer's block. You know, I heard somebody online talking about writer's block this week, and I, I have to admit that, you know, as long as there's coffee in the world and I have the ability to play, there's no writer's block in my workspace. Okay, number four. And this is this is an interesting quote because it talks, it really lays bare the difference between art and creativity for commerce, the kind of work that we do, okay? Rick Rubin says, in terms of priority, inspiration comes first, you come next, and the audience comes last. And this is so true of art, okay? It's not true of copywriters and art directors and designers and strategists, because in our work, the audience comes first. It has to, right? Now, my wife is an artist. She creates art every day. And the audience that she makes her art for, it, it just doesn't matter to her. She makes what she likes. She makes things that please her visually. Now, I got to tell you, she gets inspired. She falls in love with her work. She puts it out in the world and she sells a ton of it. Um, this podcast should be sponsored by Barry Prince. You go to Instagram and, and look for Barry Prince and you'll see some of her work. Um, but we commerce driven artists or we art directors and copywriters and designers and strategists, we have to put the audience first. We have to do our research. So this is a, this is a good quote to keep in mind when we look at the different ways that the two types of disciplines, art versus commerce approaches the creative process. Okay. Number five, Rick Rubin says, turning something from an idea into a reality can make it seem smaller. It changes from unearthly to earthly. The, ins the imagination has no limits. The physical world does. The work exists in both. And I, I found this insight to be really interesting to me because that's really the process that we copywriters and art directors and designers go through. We take our ethereal, ephemeral ideas and we bring them into reality. And it makes them a little bit more banal, right? It makes them a little bit more pedestrian, a little ordinary, a little smaller. But um, one of the things that happens when we allow the work to come fully into the real world is it can take that spark away. And one way that we as creative people can judge our work is if you can bring your work into the real world and still maintain some of that spark, and maybe the spark comes from attitude. Maybe some of the spark just comes from the, from a turn of the phrase or the use of a specific color. But if you can maintain that spark, then you can maintain the power of that creativity. You are listening to Clienting, the podcast for anyone who wants to improve the state of the client-creative relationship. If you like Clienting, please tell a friend and visit us at client-ing.com and review us on iTunes. Now back to our show. All right, number six. And this, this is, you know, this is an interesting quote because it talks about the process in a way that many people don't understand fully, but it explains it really, 
nicely in a nice analogy. Uh, According to Rick Rubin, a river of material flows through us. When we share our works and our ideas, they are replenished. If we block the flow by holding them all inside, the river cannot run and new ideas are slow to appear. And this is so interesting to me because I've seen it in other creative people before. When you say to them, you only work for a half hour on this or only work for an hour on this instead of a half a day or, an, or a day. Um, we kind of need to let that river run its course, right? We need to get it all, all the ideas out. We, we can't stop up the flow of ideas. They keep coming. I worked with a designer once who could not stop working. Even when the project was done and built, she continued to perfect the work because she could not shut the ideas off. And, you know, it was, it was, she was brilliant, but also that can become a problem as well. And, you know, we creative folks, we never want to leave the best ideas on the table. We want to get them in front of the client and get them out in the world. All right, number seven. And this is a good, these are good ways to sort of train your creative brain. These, these tips from Rick Rubin. He says, to vary your inspiration, consider varying your inputs. Turn the sound off to watch a film. Listen to the same song on repeat. Read only the first word of each sentence in a short story. Arrange stones by size or color. Learn to lucid dream. Break habits. Look for differences. Notice connections. And these are all little creative tidbits that, taken together, allow the creative brain to really flourish. When you look at the world in a different way, when you purposefully switch up your inputs, that's when the creativity really flows. And it's also why creative brains, creative people are very different from, you know, your typical MBA student. It's because they're the ones that are separating the rocks, (laughs) the rocks from a river by size and color. They are not, you know, weighing the rocks and figuring out how much they can sell the rocks for. I, I, I just thought that was a great way of of understanding how the creative brain works. We, we need to look for connections, look for differences. We need to break our habits. We need to break the rules. That's what creative people need to do in order to do the work they do. Okay, number eight, quote, one of the greatest rewards of making art is our ability to share it. Even if there is no audience to receive it, we build the muscle of making something and putting it out into the world. Finishing our work is a good habit to develop. It boosts confidence despite our insecurities. The more times we can bring ourselves to release our work, the less weight insecurity has. So I've discussed this before. When it comes to creative people, what do we really value? You know, um, business people value sales. They value money. They value status. Creative people really value validation. They want to see their work get out into the world. They want to see, they want to share their work with people. They want to talk about their work with people. Um, creative people who can't talk about their work are, are somewhat broken. And, you know, one of the things that I tried to do when I was leading a team of creative folks was to get them comfortable talking about their work. Um, just get them comfortable talking while they're working. That's really critical. But, you know, when you can share your work with the account service team, with the other creative people, with the creative director, with the client, with the audience, with the award show judges, then suddenly it starts to flow for you. 
That's, that's a, a critical thing. I love that quote. All right, number nine. And um, this is, this is a, another one of those quotes that sort of draws a, a sharp line between art and commerce. Uh-huh. And uh, because in many ways, the artist is much freer to express themselves than we copywriters and art directors, right? Quote, it's not always easy to follow the subtle energetic information the universe broadcasts, especially when your friends, family, coworkers, and those with a business interest in your creativity are offering seemingly rational advice that challenges your intuitive knowing. To the best of my ability, I've followed my intuition to make career turns and been recommended against doing so every time. It helps to realize that it's better to follow the universe than those around you. Interference may also come from the voices within, the ones in your head that murmur you're not talented enough, your idea isn't good enough, art isn't a worthwhile investment in your time, the result won't be well received, you're a failure if the creation isn't successful. It's helpful to turn those voices down so you can hear the chimes of the cosmic clock ring, reminding you it's time, your time to participate. So that was a deep and very long quote, but let me try to unpack a little bit of that stuff that's in there. You know, first he talks about friends, family, coworkers, and those with a business interest in your creativity. You know, those are, those are the people that we kind of have to pay attention to as creative creative professionals, right? As, as commerce-based creative people, not artists. And, and you see what creative folks are up against, right? Unlike artists, we have to follow two masters, the client and our intuition. And we can't just follow the muse uh, because the muse didn't write the creative brief, right? But we still have to follow our muse. You know, we still have to to take some cues from the from the outside world, from what we know about life and existence and, and purpose and relevancy and what people want and desire and love. Um, those are the things that sort of spark the best creative commerce ideas, not just art, but stuff that sells, right? When you're relevant to your target audience. So in many ways, artists have it easy, right? They get to follow their muse. Um, they still have the insecurities that Ruben talks about. You know, he talks about being a failure if your creation isn't successful, that you feel bad if your stuff is not well received. Advertising people feel that same way that artists feel. But the difference is we have to have a slightly thicker skin. You know, we have to actually be a lot more vulnerable than the typical artist has to be, right? You know, we have to sort of answer to those two masters, our own internal creativity and the client, the creative brief. It's not always easy. I, and I say that so that you, as someone who's listening to this podcast, who wants to know how to make the work better, so that you can understand what creative folks go through on a daily basis. All right, number 10. And this may be the, the shortest quote that we'll talk about, but maybe the most important one. And that's this quote, failure is the information you need to get where you're going. Closed quote. And for me, um, something really bothers me when I'm working with people on the client side who do not tolerate failure. All right. Who criticize failure, who are critical of people who fail. Okay. In my world, in the creative business world, if you're not failing, 
you're not trying, okay? If you're always coming up with the safe answer that everyone can approve, the only one who won't approve is the audience, okay? Because they will have heard that all before. A creative professional has to be given the the freedom to fail, right? I just want to read this quote again. Failure is the information you need to get where you're going, okay? Thomas Edison said this, um, it's got to be over a century ago now, right? When he was coming up with filaments for the light bulb, he tried dozens and dozens of different materials that he would put inside a vacuum, inside glass, and see if it would light up when an electric current was was sent through it. And he had dozens and dozens and dozens of failures, but it wasn't a failure to him. He just realized that he found another way that wasn't going to work, and that meant that he was closer to the way that was going to work. Okay, The more failures he had, the more excited he got that he was going to end up with that tungsten filament that lit up a room, right? Failure is the information you need to get where you're going, okay? Sometimes when we come up with a really awful idea, and I'm talking about awful ideas, like the worst kind of ideas, sometimes when we develop a really awful idea, someone else on the team will see how that idea is actually working, or how we can just flip a little switch within that idea and make it a great idea. The best creative people are the ones that can take a so-so or failing idea and turn it into something that really, really sings. So clients, don't be afraid of the ideas that don't work, okay? If your agency's not bringing you ideas that fail at your conference room table, they're not worth working with. Work with agencies that don't mind looking a little bit vulnerable in front of you. You're going to get the best work that way. I swear to you. All right, everybody. Those are the 10 quotes from Rick Rubin's book, The Creative Act. Like I said, I will develop another podcast on this book uh, because I I just was was taken by it. I was struck by this book and, and how it made me look at the creative process in a fresh way. And so many of the things that he talks about in this book will help you understand how creative people think and work. And if you are a creative person, this book will help you hone your skills in ways that you may never have thought possible. So go out. You know, I, I, I recommend this book knowing that Rick Rubin is a multi, multi, multi-millionaire and does not need the proceeds from this book. But um, just the same, he's done us a huge solid by writing this book and getting his philosophies out on the printed page. So... That's it for this week. Until next time, this is your old pal Grant Sanders saying, be well. You've been listening to Clienting, the podcast for anyone who wants to improve the state of client-creative relationships. For more, visit us at client-ing.com and sign up to receive helpful info about making the work better. That's the goal, better work. The Clienting Podcast was produced by Ray McSriff, with help from Scott Dork and edited by Bobson Dugnut and Willie Dustis. Technical support by Mike Truck. Music by Anatoly Smorin. Creative support from Sonny Sanders and Tony Smerick. Special thanks to Anson Sweeney and Kevin Nogilny. 
and the amazing Lisa Furland. This is your host, Grant Sanders. See you next time.